Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about uh, on today's subject and on the industry as a whole. Um, we're going to wait maybe just another minute or so more for the remaining panelists to arrive as well. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, this is our weekly uh, crypto internet show. Where we talk about everything that's happening within the stacks space, uh, the broader ecosystem and building on Bitcoin. And the way that uh, our shows work is we'll go through a round of questions with our uh, industry experts and panelists. And then towards the latter half of the show, we'll do our best to ask, answer one or two questions from you, the live audience uh, as well. Uh, today, we'll do our best as I know there's a lot of questions, a lot of things have happened within the industry. Uh, not only in the last few hours today, but more, more impactfully in the last 36 hours, and in some cases, even the last week since our last uh, spaces here in the Stacks ecosystem. So a lot to talk about and a lot to cover, and we'll do our best uh, to cover all of those things, including uh, today's topic, which is all about non-custodial Bitcoin on Stacks, also known as S. BTC. Uh, I'm your host today, Kyle Olika, and joined by some outstanding friends and family members for and throughout the Stacks ecosystem. We've got Patrick, we've got Maddie Stacks, the one and only Ken, a part of Xverse, who will be sharing a little bit more about their role within SBT. And last but not least, the one and only Jense of Alex. Uh, we'll also have Maneev joining us here in just a little bit. Uh, as well, but we will we'll go ahead and get started as uh, want to talk about a lot today. I think generally, maybe we'll open up just a general question for everybody. Um, a lot of things just happened today uh, within the industry of Web3. Um, we don't necessarily need to get into details and uh, who, what, when, whatever, but um, I think it'd probably be good to hear just general thoughts and sentiments on really um, what just occurred today in the last 36 hours, uh, all of Web3 and how that may impact uh, things going forward in a time when we are all very heads down and focused on building and developing and growing not only the stacks and the Bitcoin layers ecosystems, but ecosystems as a whole and the industry uh, as a whole uh, as well. So. Uh, Maneev, I know you just joined. I would love to hear your thoughts and takes on just, again, the last 36 hours and what that impact could have um, for the industry as a whole uh, going forward. Yeah, I was I was going to suggest that uh, maybe we need to change the topic because every, everybody is probably thinking about what's going on in the markets. Uh, but we should, we should, we should cover uh, some of the non-custodial Bitcoin stuff as well, which is kind, kind of like the main focus. Uh, uh, main thing that I've been digging deep on. Uh, as far as the markets, uh, I feel like this is obviously surprising to some level, uh, but at the same time, sort of like not surprising, right? Like it's, uh, uh, what's surprising to me is, you know, if I was in SPF shoes, I would let Alameda basically go down to zero but never use um, 
FTX funds, right? Like FTX is still a profitable business. You know, it, it, it mints money on trades. It's a, it's, it's a good business, right? And just don't, just whatever other leverage happened, happened, but just never touch kind of like consumer funds and keep the exchange sort of like separate. But it, it to me, it's, obviously we don't know the details, but to me, it sounds like that, you know, consumer funds were used and that's where basically everything collapsed, right? I think the damage is actually going to be very, very deep from this because um, at the same time, SPF was becoming kind of like the face of, uh crypto right like uh, showing up at, at, at congress like ha having you know like a very like you, you would see his face everywhere right like on on magazines like on ads and, and things like that so i think it was and it, with the image that hey this is the the more regulated big boys club right so it's it's suddenly vanishing vanishing like this uh, is going to be a major blow uh because also um, I think you should look at some of the FTX investors as well. Their last round was uh, uh, at like a 30 billion valuation and it was the blue chips of the blue chips, right? Like uh, like you don't get more blue chip than Sequoia Capital. And this was one of the largest checks that uh, Sequoia actually wrote. Um, Paradigm was in there and then all of the all of the other players like, you know, Tiger Global, SoftBank, this and that, like Tamasic, everyone was in the deal. And I think this is not a, uh, they use their growth funds for, for, for the deal, uh, from, from this is my understanding. And they're going to take a massive hit because the growth funds are not the risky funds, right? Like the growth funds are uh, meant to be deployed on uh, less risky companies, right? So you are uh, some company that is about to go public or, or these are not your risky bets, early stage seed, series A, even B stage bets where people understand that, you know, a bunch of these things are going to zero, um, not, not at the court fund stage, right? So all of that evaporating suddenly, I think, I think is an issue, but I think what, let me, let me go over the worries first and maybe then I'll switch to like, what's the bright side. Uh, I don't want to paint an overly gloomy, gloomy picture either, but uh, what to worry about um, now, like looking forward, I don't know if people have read the Arthur Haynes article. Like, I think that's one of the best descriptions of like what happened and what what might happen. But if people haven't read it, I highly recommend take take a look at uh, what Arthur. Maybe we can we can pin that here as well. And um, the biggest thing to worry about right now is there are two type of companies that might also go belly up. Right, uh, one is um, lenders. Right, so. Uh, especially from the Alameda side, that anyone who was a counterparty to Alameda, who has exposure there, uh, you're gonna see the ripple effect a little bit, right? You're gonna, like, sort of like, we'll see how bad it is, but this is similar to, you know, when, when, when 3AC went, went under, after a while, you started seeing the ripple effects of like other companies going under, but we've sort of like been through one cycle already. So, um, Let's see how bad it gets, but let's just say that there are companies hiding in plain sight uh, that we might hear about in the coming days and weeks that they, they just couldn't survive and they're, they're also going under, right? That, that's one aspect of it. Um, I think the other aspect of it is actually miners, uh, a bunch of Bitcoin miners, public companies, they went under recently at previous levels of, 
of uh, the trading prices. And at, at these levels, I think they're basically, basically got, will go under. Uh, so I think those are the, so there's more bad news to come uh, along those two uh, axes. Then I think another uh, vector here is uh, the, the FTX money, the people who weren't able to withdraw capital, I saw an article that, you know, uh, Multicoin, for example, couldn't withdraw 10% of their uh, their AUM from FTX. And it's basically now, looks like that's going to bankruptcy and they'll have to wait a bit long. I think 10% Multicoin can take that hit, but there might be other parties uh, like large institutional players who basically had, you know, just trading capital sitting on FTX that they have now lost, right? So what is that going to result in? I think, uh, the funding environment is going to get worse, right? People are going to start writing even less checks. Um, people are going to start withdrawing loans from here and there. I think the, the Multicoin uh, article already said that they are basically pulling off any any outstanding loans wherever. So I think there's just going to be a lot of fear in the market. Like people are just not going to trust trust each other for a while. Uh, let me stop there. Like I think this is this was the uh, this was the what's going wrong part, and then. I'll, I'll do the part two, like, hey, what, what's the, uh, what's, what's the bright side from here? And I think I, I put the right tweet up, uh, pinned to the top uh, that you mentioned, uh, Maneev. If not, uh, definitely uh, DM me and I'll, I'll add it up there. Uh, yeah, they had about, uh, FTX, last I saw, I think it was about $36 billion, uh, in was the last valuation they took capital in. And you're right, a lot of those large institutions and names came in. Uh, Chente, I, I saw you had your hand raised or were waving. I want to make sure you get a chance to, to add in. And then um, Patrick as well, we'll, we'll continue on the other side of it. I'm sure. Thank you so much, um, everybody, to be here. It is a definitely a very, very difficult day for all of us. And before I say that, I just want to let you know that Alex is a small startup, but we, don't, we never put our fund in FTS or other exchanges. And uh, we have a runway till, um, you know, at least Q1 2024. Many of you here know about this. Uh, while Munib stopped at a place that I know he wants to uh, later add some more positive note. Um, let me just add that uh, from my point of view, you know, we are a veteran quants um, from Wall Street. We have seen this since 1998, at least my personal trading experience, uh, Russia default LTC, and this smells very much like you know, almost like a, a, a New York Stock Exchange plus LTCM, you know, that they are the same owner and then went bust, right? So I would say that in, on, on top of what Munib described what happened, I would like to uh, use just one minute to talk about what does this mean for crypto short term, but also, you know, strike a more positive note on what does it mean for crypto over the long term, particularly a DeFi like Alex, right? So the collapse of FTS, it's definitely a significant setback. That's just not, you know, sugarcoat it. It damages the confidence and it absolutely destroys trust. The large investors that we have been talking to that, you know, they would have entered to the industry, it will pause, right? And the regulators will now take a much, much more skeptical look. Now, concerns now is also obviously, as Muni mentioned, the Alameda research, and that's where the problem is. 
it will be forced to unwind trade to mid margin calls, and then it will help drive down all the prices of the tokens, such as Solana, which is already down 48% in the past 24 hours. And beyond this immediate impact, the event will accelerate, uh, accelerate the proper regulatory framework for crypto and also crypto exchanges. I have been saying that, you know, I think the biggest headwind for DeFi is the regulatory uncertainty. And Gensler already today was on Bloomberg around 3, 4 p.m. EST talking about um, uh, FTX. But at the same time, you know, well-run exchanges are now implementing proof of reserves that allow exchanges to, you know, cryptographically prove that they own reserve in excess of the customer's asset. So these are the short-term impact of crypto. But I also want to add that what does it mean for crypto over the long run? And I think that's what my role as your big sister, as the first cohort of uh, Stacks uh, 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 developers, right? I really truly believe that long-term, the failure of FTX does not alter our promises in crypto. I have tears now. I, t I, I truly believe that crypto has lived through multiple, multiple of collapse in the 14 years of history. Mount Gox, remember that one? Then we have Celsius, BlockFi, 3L Capital, Voyager, and now FTX and others. But remember, these are CFIs. CFIs have blown up, not DeFi. None of these collapse reflect really the fundamental issue or the value that why we are here or the crypto itself, which is that DeFi's ability to program money like software or create digital property rights, right? So all these collapse, I think it really reflects the inexperienced CEO, right? Short-term greed ahead of the long-term value and their customer. So that's what I want to say. Um, unfortunately, you know, I took a little bit longer, but later I will be very happy to talk about what Alex building, particularly, you know, in conjunction with the SBTC. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. And I, I did replace the link attached uh, with the correct one. So a different uh, thread from Arthur Hayes for those that were looking for it. Um, Maddie Sachs, Ken, Patrick, any, any quick thoughts on, on just the general impact of them? And Eve, I want to circle back uh, to the other side of your, uh, your thinking there. Ken? Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, one thing that uh, we should probably reiterate is that people should get their coins off exchanges, right? It uh, doesn't matter how big you think this exchange is. I think a lot of them, you know, will do things uh, <laughs> under the hood that uh, are probably not not uh, too savory. So, you know, I recommend everybody to move to, you know, hardware wallets or, uh, you know, self-custody. And I think this also, uh, you know, helps DeFi because if you're self-custodying, right, how do you exchange or participate in DeFi protocols, right? Uh, and th I think this is where uh, DeFi exchanges like Alex comes in um, so people so that people can hold their own tokens and still be able to do things with it. Maddie Stacks, Patrick, any additional thoughts to add before you look back over to Manib? Uh Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think this just highlights 
not only the importance of getting your, you know, your, your tokens off exchanges, you know, owning your keys, but also if you take a macro kind of view, there's these centralized problems that are happening. There also have been issues that have arisen exploits in DeFi, right? Uh, like the Mango exploit a couple of weeks ago. And I, I, I feel like the central key to these, the, the thing that these have in common, although they have many differences, is that they're not happening because of technical risks. They're not happening because of hacks. They're not happening because of you know a, attacks by hackers. They're happening because of economic risks that are not covered. And so whether you're a centralized entity and you should be you know following risk controls and having better protocols in place, or whether you're building a DeFi protocol, you need to think of the not just the, the, the code security, but also the economic security and have that rigorously tested and you know, have uh, safety measures in place. One of the benefits of DeFi is that those things can be transparent and available for everyone to see rather than just relying on a centralized party saying, yep, we've done that, take us for our word. So echoing the same sentiment, I think, you know, obviously a step back in the short term, but opens the door and the conversation to necessary uh, maturation for the future. I think we've got the latest stat I saw was about 3.6 billion DeFi leaks, bridge hacks, and uh, otherwise uh, this year alone. Uh, as well, to, to Maddie's point. Uh, Patrick, any last comments? If not, Maneva, I want to hear the other side of this, but Patrick, I want to make sure you hear the pops in too. Don't mess with CZ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really kidding. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't have any real comments. I, I, but actually, I wouldn't mess with CZ. That's actually real. <laughs> It's, I, I mean, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a very good point. I, I see um, emojis all across the board agreeing with you on that. Gente? <laughs> yeah, I, I want to uh, clarify one thing that I agree most of what Matty said, but I would distinguish between what happened with FTX and what happened at Mongo. Uh, what happened at FTX is clearly fraud. If you are in the exchange, you should not use your customer's fund. At Mongo, and I agree with Matty, it's not a technology. And Muniba and I, we were on the one panel in LA and we discussed this case in length. Um, with Mongo, it's really the economy or the financial design of the protocol, it's not the technology. Is that you should never have any leverage instrument the underlying is an illiquid asset or a token. And that's pretty much it. And I'm happy if anybody wants to DM me, we can talk in detail about it. So I will really here distinguish between these two cases. Yeah, that's that's fair, Chante. I mean, I think you know all the details are yet to be released, obviously, for FTX. But it does seem like, uh, in addition to poor practices like using their own token as major forms of collateral, there is also something that goes beyond poor practice and goes into, you know, legality questions, yeah, fraud. Yeah, and to Maddie's point, uh, we are talking about this all in very, very much real time. Um, the public release of a lot of these uh, areas that we were discussing have come out minutes, uh, hours, um, and short few days uh, ago. So uh, a lot is what we're seeing and what has been released, but there is probably going to be much more uh, to be um, revealed 
uh, in the coming days and weeks, months as well. So just to clarify that for everybody. Manib, take us to the other side. What's the other side of your thoughts on here? Yeah, I think so the, so the other side of thoughts is that um, I think when, when the bear markets become really, really bad, uh, a lot of people actually flock to Bitcoin, right? Or they, they appreciate uh, why Bitcoin is simple, why, you know, it is supposed to be kind of like a, like a low risk type of a thing, right? So it's a, and the, and the other thing that happens is that it kind of like wipes the market, right? So it's, a, it's like, you know, one crop is sort of like done and you, you kind of like clean out the soil and you basically start focus, focusing on the, on the next one, right? So in a way, like if you're a builder, um, and I would caveat that, that if you don't have capital, like you're in a, that, that's an unfortunate situation to be in because it's going to be very, very hard to raise, raise capital in these times. But you have like some amount of capital. This is the time like to actually just basically start ignoring everything and just go heads down and actually build because the markets are going to come back, right? Like if, if the markets never come back, like this is this is a much, much bigger issue. But if you just look at historically, we are in probably third or fourth cycle now, right? So the opportunity is like really, really big. And what happens with, this is this is the way, like, I think we just sort of like, like accept how these markets work. There's mania and, you know, uh, people kind of like just um, rush in but that does attract capital users, developers, right? So it, it serves a purpose, right? And then the crash happens and it kind of like cleans out the market, like people who are true believers, who actually believed, like were, were driven by a mission, they stick around and everybody else like sort of like disappears. And I think this is that moment. Like it, it is true for builders. It's also true for even fund managers. Like there are some people out there, like, uh, like Chris from Placeholder is one of them they never use leverage, right? They're buying on the open market when there's a bloodbath right now. Like they're doing it, right? And they're, they've been around and they, um, they know what they're doing. And I think that it's people like them that are going to look like geniuses down the road, right? Um, and, and, and same same for builders. Like there are some people who might be today thinking that, you know, let's say you joined crypto like a year or two ago and it's like, hey, did I make a mistake? And should I leave? Uh, Versus there are people who are now thinking like, hey, this is my time to shine. Like I'm going to start working extra hard because my probability of success is a, is a lot higher now because, you know, the competition has just been cleared out a little bit. So it's a very good point. Any additional thoughts? Uh, if not, I, I do want to kind of bring up how non-custodial BTC or SBT does fit into this picture. But again, this is a very timely very impactful um, a moment in time that I think is important for us to cover. Patrick Chente, Matty Stacks, Ken, any, any additional thoughts uh, to Maneev's point? As he said, we are in the, I believe it is, Maneev, I think the fourth cycle, if we go back to about uh, 2009, 2010, and, and that real first cycle to 2013, we are in that fourth cycle of this uh, going through right now, our phase change. And um, yes, it is going to be tough to raise capital, but um, at the same time, it, it is uh, a chance to really look at the industry, what's necessary to be fixed on all sides. And those who are able to to build or have the ideas can focus that energy into fixing um, and creating those new pieces of infrastructure, those new applications. When we look at those phase changes, that's kind of how and really what propelled 
us into those next cycles. That's what brought us into the 2019, 2022 cycle we're in right now. And, and what will take us in this 22, 23 to, to 25 cycle uh, we're heading yeah. into and beyond. Yeah, I, I would say I would say one thing just kind of related to to what Mani was saying, and um, I communicated this to um, several teams, which is um, there's this weird sort of human reaction that happens when um, you enter into a bear market, <clears throat> especially like a crypto bear market, and the reaction is almost like look around, assess, see what's going on, um, almost like almost like a, like relax in a way. Um, because you feel things feel like out of your control, but I think the exact opposite is actually um, what teams today should be doing, which is um, working really hard, staying very focused, um, like delivering uh, really great products and trying to get the product market fit as soon as possible. Because when the next bull run happens, you're going to be in such a better position, having like invested all that time and energy and focus into this time right now. Like this is like the exact time to be working your ass off, basically, uh, and it's like completely counterintuitive, um, just just from a, a pure emotional market response. Um, I, I think it's not it's not natural to do, but I think this is like something that people have to be unnaturally natural at doing if you're in crypto. That's right. I mean, Ken, Matty, Stacks, Chente, anything else to add? All three of you are working to both Patrick and Maneev's points, you're all working in this area, heads down, building and pushing towards uh, those new areas of development, those new applications, that application side of things or that infrastructure side, but would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, how are you each kind of taking this? Maybe we'll switch gears. And how are you each taking this as, as founders uh, and looking at this and how you're going to fill these gaps or build for this next cycle um, after news in again the past couple of days and these quick changes that you all have to make as founders uh Chente, let's, let's come to you and then we'll, we'll go across sure um as you all know um alex was among the first projects that came to stack late last year and i don't know if you remember kyle and patrick i think you were there um during our demo day what we promised is that we want to build the roads and highways towards the bitcoin economy and that was in our demo day what we said and you know and like many other builders as you know i think our team are mature uh, veteran wall street quants we have seen lots of those up and downs in from traditional finance so this doesn't deter us um you know we know what's ahead of us and we brought it a track record of building billion dollar quant businesses before we came to build on Alex. And since then, as you know, we have we launched really early January. We became very quickly, thank to all of you here, we became the biggest project on Stacks. We built the ideal launch pad, we built the AMN DEX for efficient token swap, and with the DBC liquidity on Stacks. And what it is, I remember at you know at the autumn high, we have close to 19 million TVL all community driven no big well in this ecosystem and now um you know our first iteration of land borrow with collateral rebalancing collateral rebalancing is basically just you know a, a option type of technology that uh, to manage your downside uh we have uh, built all that um so yes it is tough i remember i had this discussion with some of you here who um, you know, I'm a mentors in this space. I want to shout out to 
Madiba, Patrick, Carl, you as well, and Matthew, we were very closely together. Ken, you and I were very closely together as well. Um, you know, it is tough. I remember I showed you that the Q3 third quarter revenue compared with Q1 and Q2 just dropped like 90%, right? But I kind of distinguish, um, you know, this type of shocks um, in three factors. One is a macro-specific factor, one is um, crypto-specific factor, and one is a stack-specific factor. Uh, macro, we can't control. Crypto, we can't control. Stacks, we are part of stack. We are stack. So we work closely together um, you know, to push our agenda, our vision forward, which is Bitcoin economy. Um, so that's what we, we never stop building. We do have cut. I have to be very honest. This morning, I was talking to Rachel, who hasn't really slept for a few nights. By the way, I want to give a shout out to her here as well. She's usually quite media shy, but she's a world-class CFO. If we spend $100, I saw how she yelled at me. That's why we still have runway till 2024. Um, so we spoke. We are going to cut our team right together. So everybody is going to take less um, salary. Uh, things won't be like before. Myself as CEO, I will never take any um, salary. Same as Rachel. As a founder, she doesn't take any salary. We're just going to push through. So we have built the AMM, the, the DEX. We are currently um, testing the bridge, which is a huge thing. I hope um, you know the the community um, here realize that this is the first and um, the fungible token bridge between Ethereum and Stacks, and we are going to uh, main and launch very soon. The other big thing that we are launching very soon is um, is um, um, an order book, which is going to uh, be a very good complement to the AMM. Um, you know, uh, currently also on testnet. So that's why we are, once all these building blocks is there, once the SBTC is in place, we are going to deliver two BTC yielding products. One is through our land borrow collateral rebalancing, uh, which is a fixture native Bitcoin yield driven by the Bitcoin borrowing demand. And second one is a fixture native Bitcoin yield driven by stack stacking yield. But through DeFi, you can hedge out the Bitcoin and stack risk. So that's where we are right now. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Chantai. Uh, Maddie Stacks, what are you doing uh, right now as a founder, a builder, a developer, an auditor, and everything else in between in this ecosystem? You're doing so much. How, how are you preparing? How are you shifting your mindset? What are you kind of looking at in these this next really few weeks, few months ahead? Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Um, I mean, I've been uh, I've been around TradFi, you know, before Bitcoin existed, at least uh, in the in the 2008, you know, mortgage crash. Um, I've seen a few uh, crypto cycles as well. I think uh, any builder, any investor, anyone really, you know, supporting some kind of future vision, you need to have. A central thesis, right? You need to have, you need to know what it is that you believe will happen and what you uh, are working towards as your goal or supporting others to work towards, you know, in the case of an investor, for example. So 
it's all coming back to, you know, what do you believe is true? What is your thesis? What do you think will happen next? Right. What evidence would what evidence would happen that would prove you wrong or make you adjust your thesis? What evidence would suggest that you're on the right path? And events like this, while they are not to be discounted, not to be made light of, they don't shake my personal thesis. They don't shake the fundamental building blocks of Bitcoin itself, of something like Stacks, right, that's extending Bitcoin itself. So that might not be true for everyone, right? Today might have changed a lot of pe people's uh, thesis, but you need to be honest with yourself, as painful as it is in these type of moments, and just go back to, what do I believe? What do I think is going to happen? What is the evidence telling me is likely to happen next? Here's my thesis. I'm going to work towards that. You need to combine a little bit of stubbornness and a little bit of open-mindedness when the market punches you in the face like it did today. Um, and just keep, keep the long-term horizon in mind. Obviously, it's a moving target, but don't just throw everything away. You know, Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't just pivot 180 degrees today away from a core thesis that you have just because things seem so crazy in the last you know week or or for the next couple of weeks to come um keep the horizon in mind change your point you know change your direction slightly if you need to but it all comes back to like holding on to what is your core thesis likely it hasn't changed that much today if you're if you're in the stacks ecosystem that's sad ken you are one of the OGs of OGs. Uh, I'll give you that title in the Stacks ecosystem. You you also are building, uh, you know, the the mobile wallets and soon to be much more uh, as well around Xverse. You're doing a little bit on the SBTC side. Talk to us about what you are seeing as a founder and your quick thoughts and mentality, having been around the space and to Maneev's point through a few of these cycles um, in real time. Yeah, so I think, you know, this is not the first bear market that this ecosystem has survived through. Um, and awesome. Like what Maddie said, oh, well, they will get uh, my thesis and our thesis hasn't been shaken or changed. In fact, I'm now. Building and pushing towards uh, in the 2000 in the 2008, you know, mortgage, if you're in the ecosystem. A lot of that work and a lot for the next bull cycle. So you know, what we're doing at Nexus in our time. Yeah, so I think, you know, this is not the first bear market that this ecosystem has survived through. Um, and like what Maddie said, uh, my thesis and our thesis hasn't been shaken or changed. In fact, I'm now more convinced that Stacks is doing it the right way. Um, I think Stacks will be in a much better position for the next bull cycle. So you know, what we're doing at Xverse, we are you know, being mindful of our burn and we're gonna continue to build. Um, and like Chante, I also don't pay myself and we're optimizing for the longest runway possible um, for the company. And there's lots of work to be done in this ecosystem. And a lot of that work needs to be done from the wallet side. So you know, to, to realize that vision of Stacks. So we're, we're just gonna go heads down and continue working. That said, Ken, give us a moment on what SBT, SBTC, non-custodial Bitcoin on stacks. Uh, this is uh, something you and the team have been working on. It's something that uh, we have a, a much broader thread and discussion, but 
Uh, I do want to make sure you get a chance to shout this out and then kind of cover what non-custodial Bitcoin on Stacks means. Uh, just a quick minute, and then I've got one last question for everybody uh, before we wrap up. Uh, sure. T to clarify, uh, the I'm not directly working on the SBTC protocol itself. Uh, I think Maneeb and a few of the other uh, engineers in this ecosystem are actually the ones that's uh, you know working on this. But uh, you know, I did kind of try to explain it in simpler terms to to people. And uh, what I can say is that basically SBTC uh, is a form of non-custodial Bitcoin that you can use uh, on the Stacks network. So that allows uh, you know, bi-directional kind of interface between Stacks smart contracts and Bitcoin. So it'll you know, create a lot more uh, you know, use cases where you, know, you can use Bitcoin directly to uh, participate in DeFi, mint NFTs, and then also have the smart contracts uh, send Bitcoin back out from, uh, you know, stack smart contracts and, and into users' wallets. So uh, I think I think that's basically the summary. Maybe Maneeb might have more to add to that. Maneeb, I apologize. I did this to you last week. A quick explanation. I don't know if this is going to be quick. So <laughs> whatever you can tell yeah, us about SPCC would be perfect. I'm, I'm happy to do this, right? Like, so first of all, like, I think we should all recognize that this problem is called the Bitcoin like pegout problem. Like this has been the holy grail problem in crypto for over a decade, right? Like, you can go back and read the uh, founding blog posts of Blockstream from like 2013, maybe 2014. And all they talk about is like this Bitcoin pegout problem. Because if you could take BTC from the main chain, put it in a in a Bitcoin layer and then back in a trustless way, then the the reason for launching a lot of kind of like these other independent chains like goes down a lot. Like why wouldn't you just use BTC capital, uh, you know, which is the largest capital base or the most kind of like secure capital base. Uh, and one of the big reasons I think that we have seen an explosion of these new L1s is because the Bitcoin holy grail problem of, you know, the trustless peg out has never been solved, right? Like, like people have tried it. And I think the, uh, the reality, the market reality is that if you look at the current peg out systems, uh, it's sort of unfortunate, like both liquid and RSK are sort of down in, in, in the last couple of weeks and not working. But even when, when they're working, you know, um, it's, 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 you're trusting a multi-sig wallet, right? Like it's a, at best a, a federation of hardware wallets in RSK's case or in liquid, which is just a federation, you're trusting company. And we all know, especially given the events of today, that you can't trust companies, you can't trust people. Um, and, and especially when a lot of capital is, is at stake. So imagine, you know, the the hardware multi-sig wallet sort of works at like small scale. Would you, what would happen if a billion dollars is sitting on it? What would happen? Like Coinbase has 10% of Bitcoin supply, right? Uh, if we think the DeFi Bitcoin is going to be bigger than that, uh, what would happen if 20% of Bitcoin supply is actually sitting on a, a single multi-sig wallet? It's not going to happen. Like, you know, people are not going to trust it. It's not scalable. So you need this trustless uh, BDC peg out problem to be solved to quote unquote unleash Bitcoin DeFi. Right. And so that's the core problem. When we when we launched 
the the uh, the stack mainnet, like we were, I think, aware. We, we uh, the name that we give this problem is Bitcoin write problem. Like, can you write from a Bitcoin layer to the to the main chain? So we are fully aware that this is a very very important thing. We launched with just a read capability and the smart contract capability, right? And, and the idea was like, let's let's try to work more uh, on the write problem and uh, and make progress there. After seeing a lot of the builders actually build applications, it just became abundantly clear that that thing is critical, right? So in hindsight, it's actually like much more um, uh, clear now that that is the real thing, right? Like sure, having read access is great and, and having contracts is great, but you're kind of like missing the main thing, right? Like frankly. So that's why I think in the last few months, especially with the start of the bear market, you know, I have just directed all of my attention towards this thing because this is the main thing, right? Like you, uh, you, you bring that online and I think then what happens is that, for example, if you look at Ethereum, most of the applications on Ethereum are gonna run on Ethereum layers, right? And why are Ethereum layers interesting? Because you can easily move capital from main ETH chain into the layer and then back out, right? And sort of like different trust models, but a lot of them are fairly trustless. Um, and then also uh, these layers like Arbitrum and others, or even, even, even ZK solutions, they benefit from the security of Ethereum, right? So what would happen with the new system is two things. One is the, the, the SACS, which is a Bitcoin layer, it will benefit from 100% of Bitcoin security. I wouldn't go into the details of it, but basically just like Ethereum layers benefit from Ethereum security, Stacks layer would benefit directly from Bitcoin security, which is huge, right? 100% of Bitcoin hash power is actually securing the transactions that are happening on the Bitcoin layer, right? And then like to reverse the transaction, you'd have to go attack Bitcoin. Um, and, and the second bigger part is that people would be able to freely and easily trustlessly move BTC in and out of the layer. And I think economics are also very important here because there are, there are going to be no wrapping fees, right? No, no fees for pegging in and pegging out. It's free. You only pay the BTC fee on the main chain and it's trustless, right? So the experience is going to be that when you're onboarding, um, you onboard with BTC, you see the SP, we're calling it SBDC, you see SBDC pop up in your wallet, you do things with it, right? Like, hey, I want to, let's say, take a stablecoin loan. Uh, I deploy SBDC into a contract. I take the loan out. But now programmers can actually write uh, logic. This is what Ken was saying, that they can actually write contracts where they can, like, they can actually call that send BTC to this address. The contract has SBDC sitting in there, but it's completely automated and, 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 and programmable to send that SBTC to a Bitcoin address on the Bitcoin main chain, right? So now you're writing to the Bitcoin main chain, right? And that's, that's, that's super, super exciting because now you have both read and write functionality and people, people, people can, you know, now you're limited by your imagination in terms of like what you can do. So I would, I would call this as like, this is, uh, this is the thing that I'm, I'm the most excited by uh, in all the work that I have done over the years, and I think this is by far, by far the, the biggest thing. Gente, any additional thoughts? Or Patrick, sorry, go ahead, um, Patrick. Oh, no worries. Um, if Gente has something to say, she should go. No, every, I, I, I need to record what Munib said and just play every day. Because every time he talk about this, I just get so excited. 
I think when we came to Stack, that's exactly something that um, you know we wanted to have, because if you think about you know rack Bitcoin, the market capitalization, you know, let's take another ten percent down, so it's about four billion, right? These are the people you know who really want to use Bitcoin on Ethereum, but there's just nothing there for them to use, so they have to go on centralized exchange or on other decks to you know, use the Bitcoin and, and, and then sell it and then, you know, buy this red BTC in order to do whatever they need to do on DeFi. Um, once the SBTC is here, um, at least from Alex's point of view, right, you really, the, 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 you, you never ever have to sell your Bitcoin anymore. Right, you can just swap your Bitcoin into this SBTC. You can use it as a collateral. You borrow your USDC or USDA. I hope Philip is here, and then you know buy your pizza. So that's number one. Number two is you can uh, use your Bitcoin and put on Alex or on Zest, and then to um to earn yield, to earn native Bitcoin yield without even uh, using XBTC or other form of BTC. So your BTC will never leave your wallet. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about Stacks. And I think that's one reason that these uh, multi-billions of capital, suddenly you can unlock it and you can tell people this is a yielding asset. It's not just anymore the sound money layer. I always like to say, you know, Bitcoin is a sound money layer. Stack is a smart country layer. And Alex enable you to generate yield from your Bitcoin. Thank you. Thanks, Jante. Another thing I'm really excited about is the use of SBTC for um, treasury, uh, basically for treasuries. Things like <clears throat> things like uh, DAOs on Bitcoin are sort of limited by um, having some sort of multi-sig that's operated by a founding team that sort of manages where the big goes if, if they're accepting Bitcoin. So it's not it's not super popular yet to have DAOs on Bitcoin, but FBTC could bring about um, more DAOs that have Bitcoin trees. Um, and I think that's really important so long as Bitcoin is the largest sort of um, largest market the largest market cap uh, coin on earth um, you're going to like I, I think I think a lot of I think a lot of teams are going teams and DAOs are going to want to manage their treasuries with programmable Bitcoin as opposed to uh, using uh, regular raw Bitcoin that requires multi-sig so that's like it's cool not just for a financial component but also for like um you know creating new um, New organizations you might have like massive massive organizations that vote uh often and and some spdc is distributed upon their vote you want to be able to make sure that that happens sort of in an automated way so i can see a lot of bitcoin um a lot of bitcoin uh, basically getting locked up and becoming spdc um with very minimal risk um and i i, th I think it'd almost be desirable to 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 move a lot of bitcoin into spdc so long as so long as um, you know people are finding utility with it, which I think they will. That's a good point, Matty Stacks. Any any last comments? I, I, if not, uh, I think we're going to kind of hold hold here. Ken, uh, sorry, go ahead. 
so I was just going to say, you know, as a wallet, we're also super excited for SBTC because uh, it, it really allows us to greatly improve the UX. Uh, you know, we started building Xverse kind of as an advanced Bitcoin wallet. And the goal was to make Bitcoin more powerful using stacks. So, you know, from day one, we supported, uh, you know, Bitcoin, native Bitcoin, in addition to being a stacks wallet. Uh, but without SBTC, it was really difficult to provide a truly Bitcoin native Web3 experience as a wallet. Uh, so you always have to make Stacks transactions to do things. I think SBTC is really going to change the game here. Um, you know, it's a key component for us to uh, be able to provide this user experience where Stacks is just kind of used under the hood as a invisible smart contract layer for Bitcoin and users don't really need to know about it. And, you know, the there might be, you know, Stacks transactions that's needed, but it, that could be handled using uh, sponsored transactions. So, yeah. And, and another thing that this uh, really helps us with is uh, it actually provides more scalable Bitcoin payments and uh, as a result, better UX for the extra stacking pool. So right now, uh, Bitcoin rewards uh, from Xverse pool are basically distributed every once every two weeks because of the high cost of Bitcoin transactions. So the rewards on the Xverse pool basically accumulate for two weeks and then we send one Bitcoin transaction to distribute the rewards to thousands of individuals that are using the pool. Um, with SBTC, we now have a way to make uh, much more frequent distributions, uh, maybe even daily from uh, for, for the rewards in the pool and that's going to drastically improve the experience and users will receive SBTC, which you know is still non-custodial real Bitcoin and they can choose to withdraw that uh, you know, with the peg out on-chain BTC transaction uh, at a later time. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add like a, almost like a mental model here that if you look at interesting things that have happened in the Bitcoin ecosystem or, or, or the last however many number of years, there are things like, you know, Lightning, which is a faster, cheaper way to move Bitcoin, right? Uh, SPDC sort of does that as well, right? Like with faster blocks, it's like faster, cheaper to move like a BTC derived asset around and make payments that way. Or it would be uh, Liquid, which is really like, there are some exchanges that integrate it. And again, you can make a cheaper, faster exchange withdrawal. Uh, over liquid again exchanges can in, uh, you know integrate the stacks layer and uh, if you don't want to pay a high fee on the bitcoin main chain you can actually just withdraw on the on the layer and then do the peg out yourself whenever whenever you want so it's sort of like a the superset of all the sort of features we've seen in the in the history of bitcoin but then the thing that was like never there was smart contracts lightning doesn't have smart contracts liquid doesn't have smart contracts it's, it's a federation anyway but once you have smart contracts, you can just do anything. Like you could write a, you know, ZK based privacy solution. Like imagine doing a trustless peg from your wallet in, into the, the Bitcoin layer, into a ZK based privacy solution, taking minting like new BTC out and pegging that out to new wallets. And now there's no link between, you know, the original BTC and what you have here, right? So suddenly boom, the type of functionality people have in Ethereum it just, it, just, it just comes to Bitcoin. And, and it comes to Bitcoin in a much more secure way because the BTC is actually sitting on a Bitcoin script. So I think people are very 
afraid of like hacks happening. Like I think this is where clarity language is going to shine. Like this is where, you know, uh, the long-term decisions that we have made, clarity language is all focused on safety. Your actual Bitcoin is sitting on a Bitcoin script. It's not sitting on a contract, like a full Turing complete contract. So it's very hard to hack or find a bug in a very simple script on BTC. Similarly, clarity, clarity contracts are just different. They're optimized for safety. So suddenly you're bringing the superpowers from Ethereum and other L1s directly to Bitcoin, but in a, in a really safe manner, right? In a, in a scalable manner. And I think that's, 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 that's very, very exciting. Looks like agreement all around, uh, and we've got 100% hearts. Congratulations and everything on the Moji side all around. Um, I want to pause here today. Uh, we've had a very big day in the industry. Um, we've talked a little longer than anticipated, and I think it's very important that we covered the topics we did. And um, to everyone listening, we will have an additional uh, show and spaces regarding more details around SBT, SBTC. Uh, again, non-custodial Bitcoin on stacks and its impact uh, for the stacks ecosystem Bitcoin layers for all of those that are listening as developers and builders and also what that's, uh, how that may relate to the upgrade of 2.1 that's coming soon as well. Um, but do want to pause here. Everyone has provided a lot of information. It's been a heavy day for the entire industry um, as well. So please, everyone, uh, keep, your, keep your heads up um, and uh, keep building. If you do need anything, do reach out. We're, we've all been through these types of cycles as well and, and happy to talk through uh, anything. So don't feel like you're alone in this journey uh, in any way, shape, or form. Ken, Maddie Stacks, Chente, Patrick, Aniv, thank you all very much uh, as well. Again, everyone, please do stay safe out there. Do reach out. All of our DMs are open and, and do not feel like you're alone uh, in this journey. That said, thank you very much for tuning in to this week's Spaces uh, and Crypto Internet Show. If you would like to tune in live, ask questions, or join the conversation, be sure to follow Stacks on Twitter and tune in every week at 5 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Until next time, again, everyone, please do stay safe. DMs are open, and we'll see you next time. I'm your host, Kyle Take care, everybody.